Camp, Camp, Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. We have with us today Adam Cutshaw. Adam is a bivocational chaplain and evangelist with the Audience of One Ministries. He is also an interim pastor at First Baptist Tullahoma and the owner of Cutshaw's Classic Barbershop in Tullahoma, Tennessee. Adam, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, Adam, it's been great to, to uh, for you to take some time and come and talk with us just for a little while. Uh, we just got back from a off-the-grid backpacking trip, didn't we? We sure did. And Fantastic time. Awesome. I was going to say, you had a great time. Oh, that's so great. I'm glad you... <laughs> Every year, it just gets better. <laughs> so we uh, we uh, spent uh, two nights, three days, 19.1, maybe a little bit more, yeah. miles on the Appalachian Trail and uh, with a group of pastors. Perfect weather. Perfect weather. Perfect weather. Fall weather, leaves changing. So, Adam, uh, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Adam Cutshaw from Tullahoma, Tennessee area, and uh, actually up here with my family. Uh, married to Whitney, met her at uh, college. I was on a, a football scholarship, met her. She's from Kentucky. We live in Tennessee now. We have five children, Caroline, Kalel, R.C., and then twin girls, uh, Remnant and Jovial. We call them Remy and Jovi. So we live uh, in Manchester, just outside of Tullahoma, a uh, little house there on the Duck River. And uh, me and my son, we do uh, jujitsu together, and we like to fish, and the family does down on the river behind the house, and like to read a lot. But with five kids, there's not a whole lot of, lot of time. Just love being a dad and being a husband. I was amazed that you were able to name everybody off so well. I have a hard I have two kids. I have a hard time remembering. I had to think. Now, which what's their names again? <laughs> Cuz I sometimes call my youngest my dog's sure. name and she didn't like that very well. Yeah, yeah, and it's just accident. I don't do it on purpose, but uh, it just kind of flows out. Well, uh now you've been married for how long? 15 years. Yeah, we got married when we were 20, really young and it's been great. The Lord has been so generous. We were we were false converts, and we weren't any believers. We were both raised in Christian homes. But it was uh, several years into our marriage, and the Lord was really gracious to us and called us to himself. Well, since uh, we kind of you, you mentioned that, uh, why don't you share a little bit about your testimony? Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home. I was <clears throat> raised in a fundamentalist uh, Baptist home and um, just a false convert. You know, I looked good on the outside, knew, knew how to say, knew how to talk, knew how to walk, or, you know give that impression anyway, uh, but wasn't. And uh, there was so much uh, good in our home, uh, godly parents that loved us and not perfect, uh, would admit its mistakes, but really loved us, cared for us. And we were we were taught to memorize so much scripture. And we even had family worship. It's a thing that's almost non-existent, unfortunately, it seems in churches now. But our, yeah. our parents had family worship. We call them family devotion then. And a lot of that stuck with me, really endeared my heart to my parents. And uh, as I went on through high school and, and uh, college, never really uh, left the church. I uh, just, you know, did what I wanted and then would go to church. And uh, later on, uh, in my early 20s, the Lord really just began to convict me. You can't be doing these things and living this life if if you're my child. And, and I was like, you know, you're right. And uh, mm-hmm. just, a, a you know, probably a year or two of just deep conviction and just 
despair uh just ground me to dust very prideful and arrogant person and uh, just kind of a punk would be a good word for it yeah and uh the lord saved me just uh, one morning um I was a police officer at that time and was doing a side security gig all by myself, just uh, in, a, in a security shack there and just cried out the Lord to save me. And he saved me. Uh, and he's been he's been so good and so faithful along the way. And you're originally from uh, Manchester, Manchester, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Middle Tennessee, about an hour south of Nashville. Yeah. Well, tell and you and you said something about uh, your wife um, was uh, did you, you said she was a believer or was she, she was not. She was brought up in a. In a uh, a solid Southern Baptist uh, home uh, from Kentucky. We met in college. And uh, after the Lord really revealed, you know, a lot of false conversion in my life, and she began to see some changes in my life. It was, you know, maybe six, nine months later, one night she woke me up and she was real upset. And she said, I'm not a Christian. And I said, well, I'm not going to give you any false assurance. I said, you know what to do? You cry to the Lord, he'll save you. He's faithful to do that. And so right there in the bed that night, and she asked the Lord to, to come and to be near, and she she called upon his name, and uh, she was born again, uh, and so uh, she was baptized actually in the river behind her house, and uh, and so just to see the sanctification in her life and uh, my life, but just what a wonderful mother she is, and laid laid aside her career, she was a nurse and just wanted to be home with her children, and she's been very very faithful, helped me, very supportive. I a lot of guys can't do things in the ministry because uh, you know, or at least they use their wife as an excuse and I don't have that excuse. Like I am fully convinced I could go home and say, The Lord's calling us to China and she would say, Well when do we fly out? You know, That's so awesome. she's That's a good. she is a help meet. And she's got a lot of work to do every day when she gets up with five every kids. Every day with five <laughs> kids is right. Here you have uh, and I mentioned that you have a barber shop. Now, where all does this tie into yeah. everything? You know, I don't know. It's a lot of my life. You just look back and you just see that thread of sovereignty. The Lord is just woven in and out of your life. And it's like, you know, I was just along for the ride. And uh, this kind of seems like one of those things. I was a police officer and a security force contractor for the government for about seven years. That's what my undergraduate degree's in. A lot of time away from the kids, a lot of, you know, weekends missed and holidays, and a lot of night shift. And I thought, what what could I do that is flexible for ministry as I begin to uh, be on an elder track in our church and uh, how could I serve the Lord in what capacity that you know is compatible for providing for my family at the same time and so I'd always enjoyed a good haircut I looked in our community it was needed there was uh, several elderly barbers that were there on their way out and then it doesn't take a lot of money to start up a barbershop you need a chair and a set of clippers you know and so I don't come from money so I knew I had to find something that I could uh, start up rather easy and so we did and the Lord has has just grown exploded that business beyond anything i'd ever imagined when we first started yeah. were you doing evangelism before then or after or during or what? yeah um right before we started the barbershop was doing some street evangelism some outreach at some large venues uh would preach uh you know just kind of small churches would need someone to come in and preach they you know uh, the church had identified some I guess you could say giftings or capabilities and had encouraged me and I had that desire and they affirmed that desire. And so there would just be some churches, you know, would say, hey, could you come preach? You know, young guy and you have something on your heart and we would preach. And then our home church, when we got back, would say, hey, preach us that sermon you just left and preached. And so the Lord just began to grow that, that grow that passion for the gospel. Well, tell us, I'm, I'm more interested in about the barbershop, but just about that connection. You, I mean, you have how many, how many employees? Uh, we currently have two now. Uh, two just left. One started his own. We helped him start his own shop. You know, you know, taught him and trained him up, and 
he went out and we support him in that. And then another guy left to be a pastor. So we're down to two, but we have two more in Barber College. So we'll be back up to five total. That's good. So you have hundreds of people each week come through. Yeah, it's unbelievable, yes. So what is that like? I mean, uh, here you are a uh, evangelist and a chaplain, and you have a barber shop that you have um, hundreds of people, their undivided attention because you're cutting their hair. <laughs> you can't get out of my chair. <laughs> you know, you know, and I, I'll, this is something about me. When I get my hair cut, I am not typically, I'm kind of an introvert, so sure. I don't talk a whole lot. So, and I know barbershops kind of open up to a lot of conversation. Mm-hmm. I tend, personally, when I go in, my mentality is don't talk to me, concentrate. Sure. I don't want to lose an ear. <laughs> I want my hair cut. Yeah, do you a know. good job. So I'll talk to you afterwards, sure. but not during. But that's just me. Sure. But you have a lot of conversations. There is. It is. It, it takes a little while to kind of crack some people open, you know, but once you get in, uh, yeah, a lot of conversations, and you don't know who's listening. Uh, I was actually witnessing to an atheist one time, and a good friend of mine, Pastor Rod Schrader in Tullahoma, was listening. I never even met Pastor Rod before that. And so he said, man, he goes, that day I heard you in there witnessing to the guy. He's like, I like this guy. <laughs> and so Pastor Rod's been with me. I've preached for him before yeah. and, uh, several times, and just he's been an encouragement to me. And So not only is the conversation you're having, you don't know who's listening in there, so which has been really good. And some of the guys, you know, for me, you know, I'm not just going to hammer them right away. I'll, I'll start kind of poking some holes in some of their things, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had uh, someone uh, in there that was, you know, maybe a Mormon or someone that was, um, you know, Muslim or something like that. And so I'll know the answer, yeah. but I'll ask them a question sure. just to get them to think. Uh, and then, you know, we had, we had one guy that was actually an elder in his church, um, and he goes, I see what you did there. And uh, it caused them to think and ponder. And so we build a rapport with a lot of these guys, and they come back. And so sure. over time, we're really able to minister to them. And a lot of them, um, you know, I said, hey, I'm just going to tell you the truth. There was a guy in there uh, last week, and he got in some trouble and some things. I said, Jimmy, I'm just going to be honest with you, man. I said, you wouldn't have been in that position if you weren't doing this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you could tell it upset him a little bit. And, and then later he sent me a message, and he said, you know, the people that love you the most tell you the most truth. And so he appreciated that. So it just opens up so many avenues to yeah. minister to. And, and as a chaplain, like you said, I'm chaplain for two different law enforcement agencies. Mm-hmm. Being prior law enforcement, these guys will open up to me. A lot of people don't understand what officers go through. But they're willing to speak with me because I've been there with them. And right. some of them I've served alongside. So the men and women in, in uniform is such a difficult time right now for them. Uh, but be able to even to minister to them uh, has been has been good for me. Well, let's talk about that since you're a chaplain uh, with law enforcement. Tell us what they are struggling with. I mean, here, the people who are listening right now, there are pastors across our state, around around the world too, people listening. But, you know, we just know what we hear on the news. Right. Uh, and, but we don't know what they're facing. Uh, we can guess. Sure. Tell us what they're talking to you about. Brother, there's a high suicide rate. There's a high divorce rate. You know, they feel like they're alone, and they feel like no one understands them. And to some extent, they're right. No one does really understand what an officer goes through. You know, you see movies, but you don't know the day in and day out. And that's with anyone. We, we don't fully understand what everyone experiences. But they have a very difficult position that they're in. A lot of times on little sleep, a lot of stress, low pay. Most don't go to church because it's not conducive for their schedule. And so, um, you know, they need someone that's going to be truthful with them because that, that's what happens on the street is you constantly get lied to. You pull someone over. Oh, I had my seatbelt on. Oh, I wasn't speeding. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen them. Like, as a police officer, you ju- you're just lied to all the time, and you eventually just become jaded. You just think everyone is lying to you nonstop. And so officers do admire truthfulness. And, you know, and some, some people are afraid to just, you know, be blunt, you know, blunt in love, but be blunt and be gracious. 
the officers admire that when you just say, hey, this is the truth. This is the gospel. This is who you are apart from Christ. This is who you are in Christ. And I care for you. And I, and I won't judge you. I'm not angry with you, but I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. And uh, that goes a long way with officers. Just want to encourage any chaplains or any uh, ministers that may interact with that or may even have some of those in their uh, congregation. The officers see through lies, and so they're used to being lied to. Just to be truthful with them. Well, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge, especially as we interact. I, I know that a lot of people try to encourage officers when they see them, hey, thank you That's for right. doing what you're doing. Does, does that help? It does help. Uh, we were on a mission trip, actually, me and my wife, uh, abortion ministry in Philadelphia a few weeks ago, and there was an officer in front of us, um, not kudos to me at all, but just bought the guy as water he was paying for, and he was blown away. And he came up to me, and he was like, man, I'll I appreciate that. I said, yeah, man, no problem, no problem. You know, it's a bottle of water, no big deal. And he's like, no, I'm very thankful for this. And I said, hey, man, no problem. Like, I know what you're doing. I was one of you at one time. Like, it's tough times out there, especially Philadelphia. It's a huge city. And began to talk with him. And uh, he was Roman Catholic. And uh, I said, hey, man, I want to encourage you to read the book of Ephesians. I said, do you have your Bible? And he says, man, I don't. He says, but I know it's on the line. He goes, I can just Google it. And I said, no, I'm serious. I really want you to read Ephesians. He said, we're justified by faith. I said, but I want you to learn about that faith. And he goes, you have my word. He said, I'm going to my patrol car right now. He said, I'm just on city patrol tonight. He said, and I'm going to look up the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read the whole thing tonight. Tell me a little bit about, you know, being a part of doing evangelism, you know, and I know going a street, doing a street evangelism and doing probably revivals, things like that. Yes. Uh, what were some obstacles have you been facing? You know, it, it is easy to become discouraged. Uh, it's easy to be misunderstood. And when, you know, you kind of have to explain who you are. When you say I do street evangelism or I'm an open air preacher, you know, people automatically think, you know, some of those guys that are using vulgar words or trying to antagonize or be angry. You say, no, it's not that at all. Like I'm out there. These men are out there on the corners preaching the good news of the gospel and grace and love and much truth. And doing that, who's our example? Do you see Jesus preaching more outside or inside, you know? And, uh, and I think it was Spurgeon that said something along the lines of, if you desire to preach behind a pulpit, Young man, you have no excuse not to preach. Go find a street corner. And uh, and so there's co-workers that uh, people have. There's family members they have that they're never going to go to church. They're just not. And um, where are they going to hear the gospel at? And so if it's the street, you preach. You put so much prayer. There's a lot of encouragement. A lot of Christians will come up and say, man, I'm convicted. And and I, I tell them very quickly, bro, this is hard for me. This is a struggle. This is this is crucifying the flesh. It is it takes all I have to get. My mind's constantly like, what excuse could you come up with not to go do that? And uh, it's, you know, you're compelled to. And so you follow Christ as your example. And uh, and you go out there. You know, Paul, you're you're out there in the highways and the byways in the marketplace reasoning with people, bidding them to come in, uh, even uh, as Christ has done us. And so, you know, it's different. I'm not saying it's for everyone, but I think it's for more people than they're willing to admit. And so just be evangelistic day to day. You know, if you, if you truly believe the gospel's true, if you really believe that there, there's an eternal hell where, where there's Christ for all eternity. Why would we not share the gospel? It makes me think maybe we don't really believe it like we say we do. Well, I had a friend in, uh, at Southwestern. Well, he would go out once a week. He would go to the projects in, mm. uh, in Fort Worth. Yes. And he would do evangelism. Amen. Uh, I mean, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like uh, stand on a corner sure, preacher. Sure. He, he would just uh, start meeting with some guys. Absolutely. Witnessing to him. And he was telling me about uh, one of the times he went, and uh, I guess there were gang members came up to him and threatened to sure. kill him, yeah. told him never come back again. He he told me he said he was 
he was scared to death. Absolutely. And uh, he ended up going back. Praise I mean, he Lord. was safe, but uh, he said that just was an experience he didn't expect. Yes. But you know, he went back because he had the passion of knowing that we need to share the gospel. Amen. Yeah. Well, what do you feel like that uh, where the evangelism is going in local church? Honestly, I think so many have been programmed and manipulated to exhaustion that they just want to throw their hands up and say, this isn't working. This doesn't make sense. I'm just, I'm just burnt out. What is real? What is true? And they're going back to the heart of the gospel. And I, I think evangelism is only going to explode. Uh, persecution only refines the church mm -hmm. and the kingdom of God forges ahead. So evangelism is only growing, you know, and, and we're people, we like numbers. We, we, we like all those things, but I have a, a fellow street minister. Uh, people ask him all the time, you know, how many decisions did you have made? Uh, and he says thousands. And they say, really? And he said, yeah. He said that day they decided to follow God or they didn't. He said, but I was faithful to my Lord. He's worthy. He's worthy to be proclaimed. I think when you need to explain to people what you do, you know, and then you know your heart behind it, and then the the kingdom advances. So evangelism is going to continue forward. Do you see that seems to be a, a increase or maybe they're not doing this so often or it's like, like doing a uh, tent revivals or things like that? Do you see that or do you see something new kind of coming around or arising that might be something related as evangelism on a mass scale you know, bigger than just individual. Do you see that, or do you really see the church moving to personal one-on-one -on -one evangelism? Yeah, I see the church being refined over time, and I think some some of those things uh, just culturally don't fit. Even some pragmatic things that are the church has begun to examine and say, you know, why are we doing these things? Uh, but overall, what I see is a shift to local churches being passionate about local communities and taking the gospel, whether it is one-on-one -on -one conversations, whether it's community outreaches. Uh, and I see people realizing the need for evangelism. Uh, you know, just invite, you know, it's, it's not wrong to invite someone to church, but simply inviting someone to church, it doesn't always work. It's not, this is not, it's not what we're called to do. We're called to proclaim the gospel. And so yeah, I see a, a hunger for that in churches and more people that I meet, they're like, yeah, I have those two. You know, sometimes there was like gospel track was almost a foreign word to people. And, uh, Evangelism at times, it seems, in seasons of the church was almost a foreign concept. But I see a, a resurgence of that, definitely, mm -hmm. of local church members, not just not just for the minister, not just for the missionary, not just for the evangelist, but local church members taking the gospel into, into their spheres of influence, for sure. Uh, I know we just got back from this backpacking trip. This is actually second one that you've been part of with me. So you, you went last year, and then you came back this year. And so that question, and, I, you know, it's— I don't want it to be a rhetorical question, but it is, really is. So do you feel it's important for pastors to get away and recharge? It is. Uh, and, you know, the truth is the truth, no matter how many times you say it. And it is. It's important for pastors to get a charge. I heard a pastor not too long ago, he said, if you don't take your Sabbath rest frequently or, uh, you know, spread out evenly, um, 
scheduled. He said, then you'll be forced to take your Sabbath rest all at one time. And kind of what he was getting at was if, if you don't set a, a time weekly or monthly, or if you don't have a set schedule of rest, what's going to happen is you're going to work, 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 and then you're going to crash and you're going to take all of your rest over a time of a year or two to heal. Uh, where he said it's much healthier every week or every two weeks to say, you know what, this is my rest. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been great uh, for us to get away and to recharge. And uh, for me personally, my physical health corresponds a lot with my spiritual health. Uh, and so if I'm not devotional, if I'm not reading, if I'm not studying, if my prayer life is, is not strong, I really look at my own physical life and I'm, I'm being lazy in many of my physical activities. But I, I see that they really feed off each other when I'm physically active and, and moving and, and being purposeful, my spiritual life benefits greatly from that. Uh, and so, yeah, it's important to, to get away. It's important to rest. It's important uh, on these that you've been leading us on. I hear so many conversations with the other ministers that they're able to to talk with and, and they understand each other. And it's just the time to, to get away, to unplug uh, and to really be recharged. It, it's It's truthful. I've experienced it there. Adam, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. Now, if someone's just listening right now want to know more about your ministry, how can they find you? Yeah, we have a website. It's aofone.org. And so that's the letter A, the word of, and then the number one.org. Aofone.org just has who we are on there, really really five five tenets to our ministry. Uh, we do open-air evangelism. I'm a law enforcement chaplain. We do abortion ministry. And then through the barbershop, we have Hope Through Haircuts, where we give uh, free haircuts to low-income young men. Again, as you said earlier, we have an itinerant ministry. And, and uh, right now, being the interim for Teloma First Baptist, and we do special meetings and uh, conferences and, and things like that. So, yeah, audience of one. And if you are in or near Tullahoma and you need a haircut, that's right. You need to come by yeah, Cutshaw's cut, Classic Barbershop. That's right, Cutshaw's Classic Barbershop. We have a website there, too. It's cutsclassic.com, C-U-T-S, classic.com. And you have a Facebook page, too. We do. That's right. Well, Adam, thank you for coming, just sharing a little bit about your story. And, and so it's been neat to get to know you last this, this past year. And uh, I know God's going to continue to bless you. So I appreciate you taking the time with us. Thank you, brother. It's been, it's been an honor. Thank you for showing us around the camp today. A beautiful place here at Carson Springs. For those who are listening to our podcast right now, if you're listening to iTunes or listening to uh, Spotify, please leave a comment or follow us. Uh, that will encourage others to listen to this great resource. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have any questions for Adam or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an e- email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.